This program is intended for informational and educational purposes only. All views and opinions expressed are the views and opinions of the individuals and sponsors presenting them, and not the LTB network. Enjoy the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. This is Sex and Science Hour. Here we are with our show a day late and two millibits short. Isn't that right, Brian? <laughs> That's right. Can't wait for that to be common parlance. Yeah, you know, I think it really works. Uh, and of course, usually we have our show out on Thursdays, but... Yesterday, you know, we were busy and we didn't have a hard deadline anymore because we're not on the radio. Now we're just podcast only on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network, which is great because I think that's where the vast um, bulk and majority of our listeners are. Yeah, I think so. Uh, But, you know, now because we didn't have that deadline to get on the to get the show out in time to air on the radio, we just couldn't get ourselves together to record the show. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we're a day late. But, you know, it's going to be posted. And I think most people listen on Saturdays anyway. So maybe as long as we get it out before Saturday, we're golden. Sure. (laughs) That's when we tend to get most of our listener emails anyway. Like they kind of roll in around afternoon on Saturday. Yeah, it's of course, maybe they're like, they've been ruminating since Thursday, you know, maybe they've been just chewing on it. That could be very possible. Well, you know what I've been thinking about? Um, <laughs> you mentioned this, you were on Twitter this week. Oh, yeah. I haven't been on Twitter for a while because I've been trying to focus on my work and I've been like a little bit on a social media diet. Um, oh, sure, you, sure. You said like there was this scam Twitter link going around where people were saying, oh, people were retweeting a tweet that said something about PayPal integrating well, was, Bitcoin within yeah, the next month or th- something. There was news that the CEO of eBay was making, you know, said that uh, they, they were considering Bitcoin to some degree. And anyway, somehow, you know, so there's truth there that eBay and pay, which is PayPal, one in the kind of yeah, one but they're the just same. talking. They just this, in the real world, they just made some comment that was vaguely right. indicative that they're thinking about Bitcoin. Right. Right. But that that was the truth of the matter. But then what happened was, is some people were tweeting that, uh, you, you know, in, in up to in about a month, Bitcoin will be accepted on on PayPal. And this wasn't true. It, it led you to a malicious link. Uh, oh, it's and, malware. Yeah. And so anybody that was tweeting that was, was a real problem. I think it got solved pretty fast. Uh, that's the beauty of one of the beauties. Not everything's beautiful, but one of the beauties of social media is how fast, uh, you know, information can get out there. Yeah, but the flip side of that is that there were all these people retweeting without clicking on the link a malicious link right? right no that's why i say it's not all beautiful yeah <laughs> but it can it can it can resolve itself very quickly i'm always wary of clicking on stuff on twitter like everything i click i think oh is this oh safe? this is this is really one of the reasons i use a chromebook uh is because oh, yeah, a great. lot of these like javascript uh you know exploits don't generally affect it generally please someone's going to email and say oh but there is this time and it's like okay yeah, you know, generally, it's not as bad can, as Windows. Huh? Yeah, you can feel a lot more comfortable than if you're doing it on Windows or even Android or something like that. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of comfort and feeling comfortable, um, this was a story that made me very uncomfortable. This week, we saw some news come out 
that said Vibram, the company that makes these five-finger shoes, which you and I, I, full disclosure, we are big fans of. We have several pairs of these shoes each. Six foot one, 200 pounds, big fan. (laughs) Six foot one, tons of fun. (laughs) I would say these shoes have changed my life, and I'm not like overstating that. I mean, literally, modern shoes, like just conventional shoes, are just not ergonomic. Right. They're not designed for you to really stand in them all day. Even athletic shoes, you know, they, they have kind of a grade to them and they're just not, they're not letting your toes uh, do some of the work. Like there's a reason we have toes and not just a block of a foot. Right. Right. Because the toes are there to provide grip and to grab onto things. Yeah. And, and stability. And if they're encased in basically a foot mitten, then you can't do that. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it's it's interesting because people think that this is something new. Actually, there was a in like the, the early 90s and the late 80s, it was uh, quite the rage to wear wrestling shoes. You know, peewee wrestling, not 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 professional wrestling. Um, and because they have practically no sole on them. You know, oh. they're, they're, they're almost barefoot. Granted, they don't have the toes, but it's almost like you're going barefoot. And people would mm. say that their feet felt lighter than air when they'd wear them. Wow, uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, there is a company that makes uh, shoes that basically they look like a glove for your foot. They have individual um, fingers for each of the toes. That's why they're called five finger shoes. And they, they're made out of different materials. Some of them are kind of open on the top, but they all have that thing where they kind of hug the toes and people's run in them and they claim it's like running barefoot and it's better for your health in a number of different ways. And apparently that was what got them in trouble uh, because somehow they got sued by some customer. It always baffles me when when people who buy products then later sue the company. Right. Uh, They got sued by some customer and they're bringing a class action lawsuit actually. Uh, saying that Vibram made misleading health claims that the the shoes will help your back and so forth, and they'll help do all this stuff for your health that makes you healthier. And I, I think that and claim, those claims haven't been tested or evaluated right, in any way. Right, and those claims uh, I think may have been made to some degree. I mean, the number one claim I remember was just that okay, scientifically, you know, you're supposed to land on the ball of your foot when you run, you know, not on your heel. And the modern shoe has you landing on your heel. Okay. So yeah. yeah. And so that had actual science behind it. And so then they just kind of took that and ran with it. You know, they took that one fact and they just went all the way, I think. Is this like the lawsuit where there was some company that made cherry juice? They had like the juice of cherries. Okay. And they claimed that it lowered cholesterol or that it protected your heart or something like that, or it contained antioxidants, which are heart healthy. And they got some kind of fine from the FDA. Like the, the government went after them basically for making a health claim that was wasn't backed by evidence, which is kind of laughable because you can say that like Cheerios lower cholesterol and we all know oh, right. there's yeah. kind of some bunk science behind that. Yeah, I mean, the you know, the FDA is is <laughs> replete with making false claims. Uh, yeah, I, or I, claims that later turn, you know, the evidence was bad or whatever. Right, right. So can we just start suing the FDA? Though I suppose that's happened a few times. But isn't it an element of kind of like free speech? Like, can't you like... Aren't you shouldn't you be able to free be free to say something about a product and have people evaluate for themselves whether they believe it or not based on reading studies or or whatever or trusting experts or something like that? Well, it becomes yeah, I mean if it becomes a an issue of buyer beware, okay, which is one of the oldest laws on the books in in, in any country. Yeah, and it seems that people have forgotten that 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I think people expect the government to protect them from any possible misleading claim or unhealthy thing that they could put potentially buy. The government didn't protect you from margarine. In fact, they were promoting it, which is, you know, a butter substitute made out of hydrogenated vegetable oil, which turned out to be way worse for you than actual <laughs> butter. <laughs> yeah. But they were promoting it for 20 years before they realized that. Yeah. And, and it's tough, too. I mean, even if I was a judge and I'd never be a judge, I'm an anarchist. But if I was a judge, I would be like, you know, how can you know? How could you have enough time to test whether or not this really works? I mean, genuine good scientific testing mm-hmm. takes a decade, I think, at least. It I mean, seems it, pretty safe to say that, like, having shoes that mimic being barefoot are more ergonomic for your foot which has yeah. been evolutionarily shaped for millions of years. Yeah, yeah. That, that for me just makes perfect sense. It's like, oh, no, this is how we're meant to walk. I mean, like, is anybody out there, you know, suing the companies making stilettos, you know, making heels when uh, I no. mean, hey, uh, yeah, my back is killing me because of these stilettos. I think you could make a scientific case for that. And mm-hmm. what, you know, or what about those insoles that you can put in your shoes that uh, claim to you know, help your back or something. They're, they're like cushions. Oh, Sh- yeah. Yeah. Like Dr. A- Scholl's or those kind of products, you know, do they evaluate their claims scientifically? Are they making health claims? Uh, it's just, it's nuts. And I mean, I can't really say that I'm a huge fan of Vibram because in the, at least in the government department or in the department of using the system to their advantage, they have kind of used these intellectual property laws. They have patented those shoes yeah. to no end and nobody can make a shoe that looks like theirs. You know, they can't make a shoe that has five fingers. So you saw a lot of companies making shoes that had like, you know, maybe the first two toes were in the same pocket, but right. the other three toes were separated or right, something right. like that. Or they had the big toe separated from the four other toes. Yeah. I mean, and it's just ridiculous. It's almost like, you know, you can't have square corners or whatever. You can't have rounded corners. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it seems that bad. I mean, especially you're, you're almost literally patenting the design of the human foot. Yeah, how and close so, is it to that? Right. I, so, I mean, so Vibram's no good guy, but just this is a, a ridiculous case. And I mean, and I didn't even see as much, you know, there's those hologram wristbands mm-hmm. that, that, that uh, athletes wear. And they say, oh, it's going to increase your performance because the hologram on the wristband, and it's literally just a hologram sticker on mm-hmm. this wristband, and they sell for $30. But they'll, you know, they'll say that it increases your performance. How the hell does a hologram increase your performance? It's and called I didn't the placebo see, effect. Yeah, right, and <laughs> I didn't how. see any kind of uh, you know, case made against them. Maybe they got their legalese right, and they said, yeah, we're actually making this all up. Yeah, well, what, what about those magnetic package. bracelets? Are you, is that the one you're talking about? Uh, I think they're different, but... Yeah, kind of the same thing. Though. There, yeah, there same have been idea. magnets being sold for years as a way to increase your chi or something like that. Yeah, there's... Those uh, claims aren't really backed by evidence. And, no. You know, a lot of like... In fact, there are podcasters who try to expose those products as basically snake oil. Right. And, you know, they're not... They're, they're doing it voluntarily. They're trying to convince people that these products are not worth buying. But, you know, they're not using the legal system to bring the force of government down on a company that they think is making invalid claims. Yeah, nor I should one. I don't think it's about the claims, though. I think this, whoever's suing Vibram probably just sees a, you know, a paycheck, right? And I wonder, will all the money that Vibram made from their patents, you know, from having a monopoly on this design of shoe with five mm-hmm. uh, little pockets for your toes, w- will that, you know, cancel out uh, or will that equal out to all the money that they're probably going to lose in this lawsuit? Right. You know, 
Um, Because whether or not they win, they're going to lose because they're going to have to pay for lawyers and pay to defend themselves, maybe settle. Maybe there'll be a payout to all the people who've ever bought Vibram shoes. Yeah. Uh, You know, I I, I would feel really mixed if I got a check. You know, I don't know how they'd track me down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a recall now, right? Isn't that the... Oh, I don't know. I, I, think, I haven't I think that's followed the last that closely. I heard of the story is that there's pretty much a recall on it. And well, they're not getting my shoes. I'm no, keeping them. No, I'm scared they're going to get banned. <laughs> I'm going to have to go out and buy a bunch of them. I yeah. love them. The ironic side effect of this is now there are people who are freaks for these shoes that are going to be buying like all the pairs they can get their hands on because yeah. they may not exist much longer. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Um, you know, that turned into kind of a long discussion, but it's just it just shows the absurdity of the patent system and the legal justice. It, it's supposed to be called the justice system, but there's no justice in sight. I just call it the legal <laughs> system. Uh, so I think we can move on. There's another topic that we kind of wanted to talk about. I, I mean, I, I was kind of dreading talking about this, honestly. Last night when we were gearing up to record the show, mm-hmm. I was doing some show prep and I was reading some stuff online. And I started reading about this story, which is the um, basically there are a bunch of people resigning lifetime members and such from the Bitcoin Foundation because they don't like the fact that Brock Pierce was elected to the board of what is it? The board of directors of the Bitcoin Foundation or something. Yeah. Um, and and, uh, you know, there's an allegation against him from, you know, over a decade ago that he was involved with um, some kind of pedophilia child exploitation right in hollywood and so people are kind of up in arms about that or the people who believe it anyway then there are the people who say i'm not resigning from the bitcoin foundation over this um this is just an allegation and it's many years old it has nothing's ever come of it that people get sued all the time this is totally ridiculous and then there are people who say well it doesn't matter if it's true or not it's just the any tainting of bitcoin any association of bitcoin with potential child porn or pedophilia yeah we got to stay away from that we got to make sure that doesn't happen and oh my god i dug into this story and i started reading about it and at the end of an hour that had gone by after me reading about it i didn't i didn't have an opinion about whether you know brock pierce actually did this or not <laughs> but i felt like i wasted an hour of my life and i felt really depressed and i <laughs> didn't feel like doing the show cuz it it's just so uh it's so mind-boggling so i mean i think talking about this story i'd like to stay away from you know, whether or not, like, wh- I'd like to stay away from judging the case. You know what I mean? Right. Because I can really honestly see both sides of it. I don't know what happened. You know, I, I don't know if it's just a baseless accusation or if it's totally true and it, it actually happened. I know that an accusation like this can ruin someone's life and it doesn't take much to level one. You know, yeah. someone can love someone can say Brian Sovereign's a child molester and a lot of people are going to believe them. Without ever looking at the facts or evidence. Yeah. So I can see that. I can really relate to that, that some people can have their lives ruined by just, just the mere accusation of yeah, a crime. It, it's the ultimate weapon uh, against anyone out there. I mean, there is no worse allegation you can make against a human being than you being a pedophile, than you you know being a child molester. And yeah. again, like you said, whether it's true or not, and boy, talk about a tough thing to get some evidence on. Yeah. I okay. mean, is there a culture of child abuse in Hollywood? Yeah, oh, it yeah. seems like there is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And and, and th- look, this is a fallacy of the whole thing, is that if you're going to resign from the Bitcoin Foundation, okay, uh, because someone in there is a, you know, is, is a, a possible, you know, a pedophile or whatever, okay, whatever, however you want to call it. But yet the purpose of the Bitcoin Foundation is to educate the United States government and other governments about 
uh, Bitcoin, you know, and be part of the conversation, then wait a minute, where, where is your morality when the United States government is droning children in other countries? Oh, they killed them. They didn't f*** them. Right. Right. Gotcha. That's okay. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, they're talking about moral standards and having a test, you know, for anybody who's on the board of yeah. the Bitcoin Foundation to have to pass a, a test of ethics and stuff like that. But yeah, the very organization that the Bitcoin Foundation is lobbying doesn't pass the same test of ethics. No, right. They put, fail it over and over. Yeah, put them all to the test then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, I, and you're going to f- just find people wanting. It's, it's too easy. Yeah, I mean, it's... I think the real story here is that this is maybe the end of the Bitcoin Foundation or something like that. But I hope the the whole idea is it's it's a centralized organization that is very much like a a government or perhaps wants to have the power of a government or something like that. Sure. For a decentralized thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a point I bring up often. Uh, That's that's really what the story told me was just how ridiculous the Bitcoin Foundation is in and of itself. Yeah, it's had a lot of scandal. And this is just one of the scandals that has happened with it recently. And right. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's a centralizing body that uh, that really does have, in my opinion, some real control over Bitcoin because they're paying the core devs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a big element of control. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's the pocketbook. Okay, yeah, they they haven't been audited or haven't been. This hasn't been verified, but you know, supposedly they have a lot of money. Sure. In bitcoins. Right, and so you know you have that, and then you just and they can make with those core devs being you know at their at, <laughs> tied to their pocketbook, they can say, well, we need to do this, we need to do this. I worry about that. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that I'm worried that, that the potential exists. Uh, so, yeah, you are. You're centralizing something that, uh, you know, that that is inherently decentralized. It doesn't matter who's up on there. The, the organization itself, by its very design, is a mess. Okay? Because if this was, this is the thing. It's supposed to be like a... And per, it's just like government. Perhaps there are good people who are in it. You sure. Know, but John Matonis is a nice guy. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know... I'm sure there are more nice people than him that sure. are in it, but they get tainted because they're in this organization that's like, what is it really doing? It's a centralized entity right. supposing to represent a decentralized concept of Bitcoin. Right. And, uh, you know, organizations like that, you know, there are good people that get into governments and then they get corrupted and they get tainted by all the crap that goes along with governments. Yeah, Absolutely. So, yeah, I just the whole thing it, for me, it was just showing how crazy all this is, is I mean, why why are even people's morality affecting the Bitcoin space? Y- you know what I mean? Isn't Bitcoin? That's what I keep hearing is that Bitcoin is neutral. Mm-hmm. I guess not. Yeah. You know, well, it's no, all apparently about the Bitcoin perception. has nothing, you know, with Bitcoin. If you don't follow the moral code that that a bunch of people like then bitcoin you know isn't isn't worth being a part of or something like that well it's the perception it's like we don't want to have anything that's associated with illegal activity of any kind or even the allegation of it and when the allegation of something can ruin somebody's uh, life and get them to be perceived as uh, tainting an entire uh, decentralized concept <laughs> such as bitcoin right I, that's a little bit of a problem yeah and bitcoin's just it's bigger than this drama and people need to recognize that and just maybe say you know what maybe the organization that's creating the drama just needs to go away and we'll fund it our damn selves mm. there's more coming up here on sex and science hour stay tuned okay guys and gals listen up we're about to talk shit. 
No, no, don't laugh. This is a very serious fecal matter. Here on Sex and Science Hour, we talk a lot about health in the human body. But did you know that our bodies are designed to squat when we poop? That's right. This whole sitting on the toilet thing, that's a bunch of crap. And it may contribute to all kinds of unpleasant stuff like hemorrhoids, constipation, and diverticulitis. Ew. So, we'd like to tell you about a very simple device that will help you solve this problem and get you back to doing your business the way Mother Nature intended it. It's called the Squatty Potty, and it works by gently helping you raise your feet when you use the toilet. This is a product that Brian and I both use, and it's made us into believers. And although the folks at Squatty Potty in no way endorse this show, we do have an affiliate link that you can use to get one, which will also help us out. Just check our show notes for the link and get ready to say goodbye to your bathroom problems for good. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. If we didn't say it before, I'm Stephanie and you're Brian, right? I am Brian. Yeah, people may not know us, although we do have a kind of a robotic voice that introduces us at the beginning of the show. Yeah, yeah, I, I... Maybe we're known now. I don't know. Yes. Well, if you're a Sex and Science Hour virgin, welcome to the show. And <laughs> we, That's we are, one of the worst words in the English language. Virgin? Yeah. Well, actually, I was desperately trying to make a segue into the two stories that I have for this segment. Because they're both <laughs> related to virginity. Duh. The concept, the, the nebulous concept of virginity. And what actually is virginity anyway? We've had that conversation on the show before, right, Brian? Just, yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit. I think most people define it as um, the first time that someone has heterosexual sex that involves penetration and sexual intercourse. Uh, Hymen bursting. Oh, yeah, that's part of it, that's, isn't there, that's right? That's one of the big ones. Yeah, yeah. that's a requirement, too. Uh, <laughs> Depends what tribe. And, of course, you know, that... <laughs> And of course, that, you know, doesn't happen for everybody. And uh, there's a lot of mythology around it in culture that, you know, virginity is this this highly valuable thing. And it's so wonderful to have sex with a virgin. And, um, you know, in some places in the world, they believe that you can cure AIDS by having sex with a virgin. And, and there really are people who think that. And Yes, there are. And it doesn't work, of course. Uh, but it doesn't here, work? <laughs> Sorry to break it to you, yeah. Uh, sure. But but here there's still a lot of mythology around the concept of virginity. It's like, uh, you know, a lot of people it's believe... It's a good word to use for it, mythology. Yeah, mythology and, and mysticism. Because, I mean, people believe that women's value comes from the uh, their virginness, right? Their purity. Right, right. And before somebody goes crazy saying, look, no, that the, the, the bursting, the popping of the hymen is symbolic. It's important. I hate to break it to you, but that thing will tear without without any intercourse at all. Some women don't even have one. Exactly. They're just genetically kind of born without exactly. one. Exactly. Give it a break. Don't don't <laughs> I mean I'm just waiting for like the biology to come out and just say it's like, well, the hymen seat does this, 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 this. It's like, well, sorry. There's yeah. a lot of women that it's not even a part of or it's it's done far before the deed is done. Yeah. There's so much weirdness around the hymen that there are websites you can go on and you can order a it's a fake a hymen kit or something like that. It's a born again virgin kit oh. where you can get some kind of membrane that pops and it's like simulates the it's ketchup in a, in a pouch, right? For yeah, blood, fake for blood. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, it's so weird. <laughs> what the hell? And why do people like that? Why do those products exist? Well, because there's demand for them, and some people are really into this stuff. And I don't know. I just I like to question the idea of virginity because you know what if someone's not heterosexual. 
Or sure. what if they're, you know, what if they're having sex with the same gender? Are they a virgin then? Or are they, do they lose their virginity? You're a virgin do, for do life. Do you have gay virginity and straight virginity? <laughs> what if you do other sex acts? What if you, like, there are lots of teenagers who think that if you do it in the butt, you're still a virgin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you don't have vaginal intercourse, you are still a virgin. And so that's what they do, which is a, you know, a, a riskier, higher I mean, it, it takes a little more skill and <laughs> perhaps a little more sure. uh, practice and emotional readiness. Uh, you know, it's it's a higher varsity level sex act, like Dan Savage says. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and technically, like, because I think a lot of people might come up with the idea of that. Well, look, virginity, you know, it's a sign of health because it means there's probably not any STDs or aren't any diseases or something like that. And then they say, well, anal sex, you know, is is far more dangerous. Yes. To, you know, to contract dangerous. Yeah. That's what they say. Uh, to contract a, an STD or whatever or an STI, I should say, not STD, mm-hmm. uh, an STI from. Um, but. You know, with with that in mind, I mean, really, like, where does this whole idea come from of virginity being important? I think it I think religion, obviously. Right. Yeah, I think so. Because, yeah, there's this concept. But I mean, it's it's pretty much incumbent on the woman. Right. right. <laughs> to be a virgin. It's oh, it's the specialist thing when you save yourself for your husband, save yourself till marriage. Right. And, you know, because it's religion, you know, I'm open to the to the idea and I'm pretty knowledgeable about Judaism. I was raised in it. Uh, And with that, you know, I think it's I think it's pretty it's clear or a case could be made that a lot of Mosaic law. okay, which is where people would say that, I mean, it's Judeo Christian. Right. So you're getting virginity from, you know, from Torah, from Mm -hmm. from the Old Testament, whatever you want to call it. okay, Uh, that the Mosaic law is our health laws. Okay, how they got those laws, I don't know, because they're pretty some of them are pretty advanced, uh, like burning metal in fire or, you know, putting metal through fire before you take it back to to sterilize it to camp to sterilize it. How do you know that? You know, how do you know about microbes? No idea. Anyway, uh, with with that in mind, as far as, you know, that that maybe virginity is some kind of a health thing. Okay, there's nothing in the Torah that says that a woman after her husband dies can't go lay with another man. Mm-hmm. So the virginity is not that big of a deal. And that, frankly, if you follow the rest of Mosaic law, I mean, you STIs wouldn't be eating wouldn't... shrimp and you'd be wearing cotton only. Right. Yeah. Today, <laughs> but I mean, even back fibers. then, STIs would get solved by the rest of it. So th- there's just this, I, you know, I don't really. Yeah. Religion's where it's getting enforced from. But I don't know where the idea originally came from. I actually I really I have no clue. Well, I mean, if you ask this woman who recently did a virginity auction, which she then canceled, which we're going to talk about, she might say it's the origin is trying to have control over women and control over female sexuality. Well, I'm open to that. Yeah, I think there's a good case for that. Uh, So what happened was there was this there was a woman going by the alias Elizabeth Rain, and she's actually a medical student that doesn't really have much to do with the story, I guess, except that that's that was her reason for being a virgin at the age of 28 is because mm-hmm. she just said she you know focused on school and she didn't have she didn't make dating a priority, which, you know, I can understand. And actually, I said this in the last episode of Sex and Science Hour. I did go to med school for a while and I was actually in the same uh, program that she was in. Right. Uh, in, in, MB, in a combined degree MD, PhD program. And yeah, like these are very these are people who are very, very, very serious about their studies, you yeah. know, and uh, and the programs themselves don't really give you time for a sex life, quite frankly, right? Yeah, they're. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. <laughs> well, I made time for it, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can make time for anything if you want it bad enough. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I could totally see how she made it 
you know, that that far still being, you know, without having ever had sex with anyone. And uh, so she decided to do a virginity auction. And this is not the first one. There have been many Internet virgins, we'll call them, people who have tried to auction off their virginity on the Internet. How it was verified that they were virgins, I'm not sure how, how they confirmed the bidders. I don't know. I'm not really sure of the details, but they certainly get a lot of publicity when people try to auction off their virginity. And often, you know, they'll get bids of millions of dollars. Oh, or, I think she or, was up to 500000 She, Yeah, she stopped it at about $550,000. So that's quite a lot of yeah, money for, yeah. one, for one night of work. And I, I don't know, to me, unless you have some obsession, if you're the John... Or if you're the client, I'm sorry, I shouldn't use the word John. If you're the client in that situation, if you're the one paying to have sex with her, mm-hmm. um, why would you be so interested in having sex with someone who's never done it before and has no idea what they're doing? Well, I'll tell you where that value might come from, is that there is a cultural meme, an idea that the first guy is the one they never forget. <laughs> and so if you're that first guy... You know that it's it's almost like a would, like a power. Would thing. you pay a half million dollars to be the one that she never forget? I mean, uh, if I've you could do that for do- free. Yeah, well, right, but that's the thing is clearly if someone's willing to pay half a million for this, they've pro- it it this is this is chump change. Mm-hmm. You know, this is pocket cash that they're pulling out. So sure. I suppose, yeah. Uh, so, you know, she put up a website. She had initially hid her face, and then she exposed her face and showed showed who she was. She was going to do this in Australia, where it's legal. And, of course, you know, she lives in the U.S., and it's not legal here. So she said, all right, well, go to, go to Australia, <laughs> do it all legal, legally and stuff. Um, but she stopped the auction early. She, uh, she decided not to go through with it. Uh, she said she gave some excuse, which who knows the real reason she stopped it. Right. Maybe it was pressure from her med school or whatever. I, I could totally believe that. Right. Um, or maybe it was just, you know, she'd had enough. She was sick of it. She said um, she was going to, you know, she made a statement about stopping the auction and said, I still have very strong beliefs about virginity prostitution, a woman's right to do what she damn well pleases, but school is my first priority. I'm returning my focus back to my medical training. It's not about the money anymore. At this point, I no longer care about the auction. It was a very easy decision. So, you know, she got a ton of publicity, started a conversation, I would say. Oh, yeah. But how many of these internet virgins actually go through with it? You know, I think it's it seems like a lot of them cancel and it never actually happens. Yeah, and, and yeah, you wonder what's what's behind that. Was there maybe a private bidding behind the scenes? I mean, <laughs> yeah, know, who knows? I, I don't know. Uh, I've been on eBay since two thousand two thousand. Yeah, two thousand, maybe two thousand one. And <laughs> I just remember, you know, people sending me emails. Hey, I'll give you this much if you end the bidding early. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> call yeah, it absolutely. a day. <laughs> Let me buy this thing from you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I want to make it clear real fast that. I'm not saying it's a shameful thing to be a virgin. I think it's shameful that like somehow a virgin is something that's prized, uh, like that that's that that's held up, that someone that isn't is somehow damaged goods. That's shameful. Okay. Uh, I'm, you know, I want to make it perfectly clear. You have sex when you want to have sex, when you're good and ready. You do not do it a second before. Okay, so I'm not telling you, oh, you're still a virgin at 28 or however old she oh, was. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's her body and she's got the total autonomy. She can do whatever she wants with it. And I totally respect and honor that. Yeah, Including absolutely. have sex for money if she wants to. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's yeah. her choice. Yeah, by all means. Uh, but it, it's just a fascinating thing. You know, these virginity auctions, they, they always start a really interesting conversation that never quite gets resolved. And, yeah, and you what? still wonder after all these years of people doing this, 
there are still people out there who are bidding on these auctions? Really? Right. Yeah, I mean, and it does make you wonder, you know, what is you you raise uh, an interesting point as to what is the origin of this. And maybe that's why the conversation stops, because they don't want to explore the fact (laughs) that like, oh, hey, you know, wait a minute, relationships, you know, I don't even know what words to use that that's that's how little this ever gets talked about. Okay, but that, you know, maybe this, you know, man, woman, you know, maybe this virginity paradigm or whatever uh, is some kind of control. Mm hmm. It is. I mean, and, and even I mean, it's it's worse. It's not even like sometimes it's not even the fact that it's, uh, you know, that it's another guy, a, a potential love interest that only wants a virgin. But like parents saying, no, you're going to be a virgin. Oh, yeah. You know? My daughter is going to keep her. Virgin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, going to make crazy. sure my daughter's a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. In fact, we were watching the other day. We've rarely watched TV, but we were we were visiting uh, someone and we, we watched a little TV and it was sex in the ER. Oh my God. Yeah. We got to talk about that show real quick before we talk about that. I just want to say to close out this topic, I hope the next internet version that comes out does it with Bitcoin, you know, (laughs) just let people bid with Bitcoin, (laughs) use BT Crow or whatever, you know, bit one of the Bitcoin escrow services, use a multi-signature wallet. You can get it done that way. And then maybe they'll actually go through with it because they'll have a little more assurance that it's, you know, it's not going to be some weird bank transfer scheme or something. (laughs) In fact, I'd love it if, uh, if the woman stayed anonymous. Let's see how if the person wants the virginity or mm. how attractive the woman is, because I wonder that could be interesting. Yeah. Maybe can it, someone is it just, just any virgin or does it have to be an attractive yeah, virgin? Yeah, we need know. to find this out here. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, you talk. you were talking about that show. Yeah. Sex sent me to the ER. Right. That so, was a hilarious show. It, because, yeah, I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. It, you, just, you it know, showed the depths to which modern TV has fallen. Oh, yeah. Because this was on the Learning <laughs> Channel. Yep. And I'm like, you know, I, I remember watching the Learning Channel when I, you know, when I was younger. It's like, oh, this is awesome. There's a special on the pier pyramids or there's a special about some new scientific discovery and all this stuff but no instead this was sex in the er or i found the gown or uh or oh something yeah the about show about looking for return the to amish wedding dress all these kind of ridiculous shows the little family right little they, yeah little people <laughs> yeah which they, uh that's just i mean you, oh some people might consider that insulting to them you well, know? little people is the non-insulting term because some people get offended by the word midget. Right. I meant that what would be insulting would be the fact that there's a reality show oh, about them yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. following and gawking at yeah, this family. Yeah. You know? Whereas, yeah, some some little people would want to be like, hey, I'm just another person. Uh, you know, I don't yep. need a reality show about me. Sure. So anyway, my point with the sex in the ER, one of them is about a young couple. OK, who one is she still living with her mother and her mother is obviously very socially conservative. Mm-hmm. OK. And because she's socially conservative, they're not having sex really anywhere. Yeah, she lives okay. with her boyfriend, and they both live with the mom. And they have to sneak around. Well, I don't know if it's exactly if the boy lived with the mom, too, I think they, but she definitely did. I think they live there. Yeah, I think they both live there. Regardless, yeah. they have to go in their car. You yeah, know, they to, have to, to sneak have around to have sex. And, he, and the guy ends up dislocating his shoulder, breaking his <laughs> pinky because, you know, a car pulls up behind because they're afraid to get caught. And it's like, look, man, you know, c- come on. I mean, in all of this... From some parent shaming, you know, saying you're not going to have sex till I tell you I own your vagina. Yeah, you, under you know, my roof. Yeah, my the, rule. when you're under my roof, it's my rules and, you know, and all, all this. Yeah, it was funny because in that scene, they weren't questioning that at all. They were like, yeah, you know, we really wanted to, we're really trying to be respectful to my mom. And it's like, really? She's not being very respectful to you, telling yeah. you you can't do something with yeah. your own body. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and she kind of lied as to what they were doing, why he, she had to take her boyfriend to the ER and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, of course and she lied because she's afraid of getting caught. 
caught. Yeah. And the mother's like, oh, you know, I can't believe you lied to me. And it's like, well, why do you think she lied? Yeah. Because she was doing something that's perfectly normal. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and look, I mean, these were older teens. I want to get this clear, too, because we were talking about pedophilia earlier. Mm-hmm. Pedophilia is one of the most atrocious acts, if oh, yeah. not the single most atrocious Horrible, act on planet disgusting. Earth. disgusting. I want it. I, I want yeah. it to totally go away. Yes, absolutely. That, you know, we're not talking about little kids here. You know, no, we're, we're these talking are about like, adults. These are like 20 year olds. Yeah. I mean, they have jobs, the whole thing, you know. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, God. This whole this whole mystique. Well, you know, the, the whole show sex sent me to the ER. The basis of the show was basically people getting injured during sex and then being too embarrassed to tell the doctor what actually happened and trying to dance around it or trying to conceal what actually happened. And the doctor is like, uh. You know, I can't help you unless you tell me what happened. Yeah, yeah. And they just don't want to say. There was another one about a lady who, oh, she decided to follow some Cosmo sex tip and she used pot. Her boyfriend went down on her with pop rocks in his yeah, mouth. And, they ended and up she in had her, severe burning and she had to go to the ER and she wouldn't vagina, tell the doctor yeah. what happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, look, I can't help you unless you tell me what happened. And then once he found out, he was like, yeah, you'll be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> right, right. But th- that's so crazy because these people were like terrified. They're running to the ER yeah. because they're terrified for their lives. And yet they can't be honest about what's going on because of this shame, which is perfectly exemplified in those uh, young people's sex life. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that the mother was like, not, nah, you know, no, 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 you know, my rules, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, oh, it was crazy. And yeah, just everybody's like, so, you know, afraid. I mean, you could say maybe they were ashamed of, of doing something stupid, but I don't think that was it. I mean, you do something stupid. You can just, you can still say what's, you can still identify what's going on. Right. You know what I mean? And and they just, they wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, like one guy got his, his crotch set on fire. Literally, <gasps> like the hairs of his, his yeah. pubic hairs are up in smoke. He, and- he went out drinking and he spilled some drinks on his, right. on his pants. And then he came home and he was, I don't know, he was a little drunk and he was doing a strip tease. And his wife was like, oh, what's going on? She was asleep <laughs> in the bed. She's like, what's going on? She tried to light a candle by the bedside big mistake he his, was right there his crotch went up in flames <laughs> when she tried to light the candle right and then he went to the hospital and he had severe burns and you know it's not funny but no it's not i mean he was scared to death you know that yeah. he wasn't going to be able to use his you know use his magic use his stuff anymore <laughs> use his mojo yeah. use his mojo and boy i tell you if I, there's anything that would terrify me more oh man if yeah. Something happened to my penis. But, you know, they were the they were like an older couple. They were probably in their 40s or 50s. And they were the only ones who had a relaxed uh, attitude about it. They, right. they had a sense of humor about it, you know, after the fact, after he was all healed up and no permanent damage and everything. Yeah. They, they had a real sense of humor about it. But the younger ones were the ones that really seemed like they were very ashamed. And I just think that's too bad. Oh, I mean, it's so sad. It's, you know, one of the reasons we do this show called Sex and Science Hour is because, you know, we're... We're on our soapbox here. We really think that the world would be, uh, people would be a lot happier if they could let go of perhaps some of the shame that we're all exposed to about sex growing up. Yeah, absolutely. It's just really not a big deal. Just and you, you know, everybody you know, does it. Normal part of life. Normal, healthy, happy. Right? right. And, you know, I know parents, I know you don't want them, you know, you don't want your kids to quote unquote make the same mistakes you did. And maybe in fact, the kid you don't want to make the mistake might have been a mistake. Let's face facts. A surprise, Brian. That's what you call it. Oh, a surprise. surprise. (laughs) Might have been a mistake. Okay. But understand that the reason that that mistake 
or surprise happened in the first place is because nobody was being open about prevention. Mm. Nobody was being open about sexuality. It's because it was this big taboo. Yep. And that the was highest... part of what enticed you into doing it in the first place. And then you didn't have the knowledge of what to do after the fact. And so the highest rates of teen pregnancy and unintended pregnancies are the places where people don't have basic education about sex. Right. Right. So being open about sex is actually the way to keep these surprises from occurring, if that's what you're worried about. I, mm. I get it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the the final story that I had for this segment was this one. This is crazy. This is another virginity related one. There's a police department who is telling young girls have premarital sex and you might die. Literally. Well, no joke. They're telling them. Right, hold on. God's been saying that for thousands of years. Who's well, they, they're not listening <laughs> to God, so they better listen to the cops, right? And yes, premarital sex is a mortal sin, according to the Catholic Church. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> it feels pretty good to me. But anyway, yeah, they, they did this at a purity ball. Have you heard of these wait, things? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is it premarital sex if you never get married? <laughs> That's a great question. Somebody should make a meme out of that. Is it premarital sex if you never get married? Oh, I love it. We're not getting married. Spend some time, <laughs> spend some time pondering that. Right. Yeah, it does, just doesn't make sense for a lot of people. But anyway, um, so there's a purity ball, apparently, at this... Uh, Oh, it was a, it was in uh, North Las Vegas, apparently in Nevada. Uh, and a purity ball is an event where usually, you know, it's put on by a church, sometimes schools. Fathers usually take their daughters to the to this dance and then the daughter pledges their virginity to their dad. Oh, yeah, it's like that. It's what? very weird. And then sometimes the dad will give the neck a necklace or a ring to the girl that has like a, a lock on it. And the dad has the key. I mean, just it's very strange. Dad's. <laughs> That girl is a human being. Yeah, she is totally. Are there individuals or are there not? You know, I yeah, mean, what it's, the her, hell? it's her body. You know, uh, you're just I, a steward. You're not an owner. You know what I mean? You're not the manager. You're just a steward. Yeah, and I mean these they don't have balls where boys pledge their virginity to their moms. No, you know? but I was going to ask at this purity ball where there are there young boys that they get to dance with. I don't think so. I think it's all father daughter. Good goodness ridiculous yeah I, I it's such a weird thing um and you know we're probably not doing much for the stereotypes of americans as these backwater like yeah. <laughs> religious conservative kind of people but well, you know it's crazy this reminds me of the purity rings okay yeah those and, are the rings that are exchanged at the purity balls sometimes. okay well you have purity rings and sometimes you know young couples wear these purity rings mm -hmm. and it's like okay so let's wear something that keeps telling me i'm not going to have sex let's wear something that keeps reminding me about sex <laughs> Yeah. It's antithetical to what they even want to do. Oh, yeah. So anyway, at this purity ball in Nevada, there were apparently police who were telling girls if they, quote, get promiscuous, they can wind up dead. And how does that happen from a little bit of sex? Well, it's just a slippery slope into drugs, gang violence and prostitution. So hear that if you <laughs> if you don't choose purity. If you if you decide to forsake your purity, then you are just going to end up dead as a gang member and a drug addict and a prostitute. That all from having premarital sex. I, I have no words. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean it's if they think that scaring kids works, then maybe this is a great idea. But obviously that doesn't work. You know what actually works is to you know if if 
If you want to help a young person avoid a life where they are going to have an early death or perhaps get caught up in some bad stuff, the best way is to provide a supportive environment for them where they feel comfortable telling you yeah. stuff and talking to you, not, not an to scare the fear. crap out of them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you wonder why people walk around scared all the time. No kidding. They've been being told, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die since they were a kid. This is Sex and Science Hour. There's more coming up. We're not dead yet. Oh, Brian, we always have so much fun having sex and science hour together on Thursday nights. But can you believe it? This is not the only thing that we do. Yeah, we actually have other shows. Like your podcast, Sovereign Tech. That's a good show. I listen to it every week. Well, I am the producer, but I would listen to it every week, even if I wasn't the producer. (laughs) Yeah, and people might know you from Let's Talk Bitcoin, might being the operative term. Yep, yep. And in case you don't get enough of me and Brian together on Sex and Science Hour, you can even hear us together on Sunday nights on nationally syndicated radio, hosting Free Talk Live. Wow, we really do a lot of podcasts. Yeah, well, speaking of which, I think we've got another podcast to finish up right now, so we should probably get back to it. But you can subscribe to Sovereign Tech at SOVRYNtech.com, Let's Talk Bitcoin at Let's Talk and Free Talk Live at FreeTalkLive.com. Now back to Sex and Science Hour. This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, you did it. Oh, man. <laughs> well, at this point, it's become a tradition, Brian, so that's yeah. okay. I'm Stephanie. You're Brian, of course. Of course. Hey, Brian, uh, are you going to get one of these newfangled uh, driver's licenses for the internet from the government? What? Well, you might not have a choice, actually. What is this? Uh, so, apparently, this is this got rolled out kind of quietly, but apparently there's some government program here in the land of the free where they're going to be issuing these government, these IDs that come from the government, basically, that is a government-verified online ID. Ah, see, now I have heard about this. Yeah, and so they're calling it sort of the driver's license for the internet. Now, at first, it'll probably be a way to access government programs or perhaps to like pay government utility bills online or taxes online or something like that. But, you know, soon you may not be able to do those things without it. It's the mark of the beast. <laughs> Cannot buy or sell. I'm sure, there, the- I'm sure there are some people, but there's no buying or selling going on. Just some good old fashioned extortion when you're paying taxes. They're not really buying anything. Yeah. Um, you know, this has been talked about a few times. I had heard about this one, actually. Uh, but a few years ago, they had talked about that you actually couldn't even they, the government was the U.S. government was theorizing that you couldn't even go online unless you had one of these IDs and they would actually force them out to ISPs. Oh, well, that sounds like a great idea. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's essentially a government run Google Plus. Wow. OK. And look. Google can't, and I, hey, I like Google Plus, okay, but Google can't get an identity system right. No. You know what I mean? And they have all the info, they have more info than, I mean, they have the info the government wants. That's why the NSA is hacking, you know, is is physically hacking into their servers. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so you can't imagine, in fact, I remember reading a little bit about this, the government even admitted that... Well, yeah, we don't really have the manpower to do this or the knowledge, but we can outsource it. And I'm thinking, who outsource it to who? 
Facebook? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if, if but they, none of them can do it right. Yeah. You know, who are they going to find that can actually do it right? Uh, Mind-blowing. Well, I mean, even scarier still is the idea that apparently you may not be able to opt out of this. They're going to just create one for everybody that they have a record of. Wow. And then you'll have one whether you want it or not, which is, that's, okay, that's really dangerous because... There's already so much theft of social security numbers, mm-hmm. which they said, you know, in the very beginning when they created the program, the Social Security Administration or whatever, they said that, OK, everybody's going to get a number, but this will never be used as a form of ID. And right. look how far we've come. It's a, yeah. it's used as an ID for everything. I mean, you call your cable company, you got to give them your social security number so they can do a credit check on you and then bring up your account and it's linked to your social security number. So, yeah. of course, it's used as an ID. And, you know, these things are going to be the exact same thing. You can't opt out. You can't not have one. And they're going to be stolen and they're going to be used fraudulently. Sure. And they're not, you know, this isn't, I don't think this is meant to make things easier because there's plenty of opportunities to make life easier as far as the amount of documentation that is required for someone to be a quote unquote citizen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, But they just keep adding on. They never subtract or they never like, you know, hone it down. You still have to have a passport. Yeah. You can get an enhanced driver's license in some States, but that won't let you fly. Yeah. You know, that'll just let you drive over a border and only over a couple borders at that. None of this stuff ever makes it easier. It just keeps adding on, adding on more and more identity to you. Um, and, you know, at what point does it not sound like East Germany when they're saying papers, papers, please? Yeah. And they're keeping you, records of detailed records of everybody. Right. You know, you can't. Go, well, I mean, when does it come to the point that, look, no, you can't cross the street if you don't have your online idea. I am so sorry, sir. You know, I mean, when does it get there? Yeah. How and, long is it going to be until you can't cross a state border without yeah, it or something like that? You know, right. And don't think for a second that, well. The Republicans in the United States won't let this pass. Actually, the Heritage Foundation, which is a conservative, quote unquote, liberty think tank. okay, Who calls it liberty? (laughs) uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, You know, they support a national ID system just like this. Yeah. So, so, so believe oh, because me, that, then, then it'll be about keeping out the illegals. Yeah, right? you got to keep out those people that sell, aren't legitimate. That's how they sell the Republicans on it to keep out yeah. the, uh, to keep out the people who weren't born on this plot of land and may want to do something so, like nah, shock hey, horror hey, work. Hey, hey, <laughs> they were born on that grass over there. That's They're, totally different. They, they are different people. They are sick. When you are born on that piece of dirt right there, and I'm born on this one, no, you are sicker than me. Ooh. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's just, it's just <laughs> so, so absurd. It's an imaginary line. Go to Texas or California and tell me that, you know, they're totally different than the Mexicans in Tijuana. I mean, it's, it's so funny. It's like, we got to protect our borders. So we got to protect our borders from what? From people that want to come and work? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. That's what I just said. So, and there's, there's a real security concern with this too, because, okay, obviously the government does not have a good track record of keeping personal identifying information safe and secure. And what they say is that these identity credentials, these internet IDs, are going to be stored in centralized uh services like servers which will probably be farmed out to private companies because they can't do it themselves right and that's a huge target for hackers or whatever or for corrupt government bureaucrats or whatever yeah this is a centralized system which i would hope people have realized with bitcoin uh is not a good thing because bitcoin Mm. is you know so robust 
because it's not necessarily centralized. Yeah. Now, that that was actually, I'm glad you brought it to Bitcoin because that was where I wanted to tie this in. There have been a number of proposals, actually, in the Bitcoin world or the cryptocurrency world um, where people have proposed doing a sort of something very similar to this, uh, an ID, some mm-hmm. kind of identity or cr- identity credentials um, that you could opt out of and that you could choose not to have or you could have multiple ones for different purposes or whatever. Oh, and, like- and they Quixote. Yeah, for, like Quixote. Yeah, like, BitShares has. Yeah, and then there was, uh, what is it, uh, My Cloud or Personal Clouds and stuff like that. Like, yeah, Next has an alias system. That might be different, but uh, yeah, a lot or, of these. Or uh, even like the very basic concept of um, Bitcoin addresses. You know, you right. can have a different address for every payment you receive or send. So, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are lots of um, kind of ideas like this, but there there are a number of important differences between this and this government internet ID, one being the right to opt out, which is the most important Absolutely. right you have, you know, the, the, the right of exit or whatever, yeah. um, the ability to opt out of something if you don't want to use it or don't like it, and number two being the decentralized nature of it, where it's not stored in a central server, it would be, you know, in the blockchain or in the cloud or whatever. Right. And actually, we've talked about on the show before, what is the cloud? You know, is it is the cloud more centralized than we think? Because it's pretty much all on Amazon servers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it can be a dangerous game. But if you have like multiple copies of a blockchain all over the place, then uh, servers are somewhat meaningless in that, you know, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think there is an, a need or a legitimate um, reason that people might want to have identity credentials that they could use online. You know, like it. Sure. It. There are some cases where it would make sense to be able to verify who someone is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Key signing uh, that that you do with OTR, you know, yeah. off the record encryption or key signing for PGP, PGP, you know, email. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a very good idea as long as it's voluntary mm-hmm. and you have control. You have control of it. And that's not perfect either. Perhaps like if no. you had your PGP key on your computer or something and someone gets a hold of your key or physically right. compromises your computer, they could pretend to be you. Right. Without any hacking involved. right? Yeah, certainly. But I mean, no one even wants to explore, you know, these options. Instead, they just want to leave it to the governments, which are the very last people you want to trust information with. Because, yeah, uh, I mean, look at look at the bang up job they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. NSA. <laughs> yeah. Prism. Bang up is sarcastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just thought it was an interesting issue to explore. As long as we can opt out of it, it's probably a very useful technology. But the key being that you have to be able to opt out if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So why don't we move on to our next story here? Brian, you're going to love this. Awesome. I, and when I say that, I'm being totally sarcastic. Oh, no. Because <laughs> I know you don't love oh, this. Oh, what the hell? Uh, what, are we going to talk about the government? We're going to talk about Google. Oh. <laughs> which in some ways can be similar. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, you know, Google's been testing a self-driving car for a very oh, long that. time. Yeah. And recently they announced that it's had 700,000 uh, accident-free miles That's in this amazing. self-driving car. And, you know, show me a human who's driven for 700,000 miles and not had an accident. That's pretty good. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there, but go ahead. I mean, there are maybe a few elite truckers who have received awards for not having any accidents driving a million miles or whatever, Mm -hmm. but they are few and far between. I mean, you'd have to drive. That's a long way. Yeah, that's a few cars going through, sure. So, I mean, I think it's pretty well shown that this technology can allow cars to drive more safely than a human does. So, I know you have concerns about self-driving cars, though. 
I do. Do you uh, care to share some of yeah, those? Yeah, I actually, I recently got uh, got relieved of some of them by a, by a new idea, but I won't go into that. Uh, but oh, I, I'm curious. You teased it. Oh, I, well, I'll go into it, but yeah. I don't want to go into it first. Okay. Um, I mean, initially, I think there is something to, you know, having control. And now, granted, yes, I'm sure Google and Toyota and Ford and all the companies that are coming up with self-driving cars, again, this seems to be an inevitability by 2020, okay, that we're going to have these, uh, you know, they say, well, at any time you can take over, you know, and you can get driving and all this stuff. Uh, first thing, you know, is that it'll, it would probably be based on Android to some degree, okay? Now, two mm-hmm. years ago at a Black Hat conference, they had guys control a car. This wasn't even a self-driving car, just a modern car, yep. okay, with their phone, with their Android phone, they were able to control, you know, use uh, use Bluetooth, wireless, all the good stuff, okay, uh, and 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 control this car and turn it and do all this stuff. So there's a lack of like direct control that's not there, okay. But if you can do that with um, conventional cars that don't that aren't driverless, then isn't it a moot point? Well, like if you can do that to any car anyway, it at, doesn't matter whether it's driverless or has a driver. Yeah, at the same time though, any car I'd buy, I'd want to be pre ninety six. But I'm I'm getting conspiratorial. I don't even want to go there. Okay, <laughs> that's not that's not the point. Um, I am concerned about Google. You know, Google's software, while some of it is very very secure and solid, it doesn't mean in and of itself it's not buggy. Okay, and yeah, good good job on seven hundred thousand miles. You know, but I think. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not feeling. You're not getting in the car just yet, huh? <laughs> no, no. I'm not trusting the software enough, you know, to, to really, to really do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, part of the, one of the things that concerns me is that the military itself doesn't even have autonomous, uh, really autonomous things that 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 are that are you know life critical. Mm-hmm. Like okay. even the drones have pilots. Yeah, even the drones have pilots. Yeah. They're changing that. Okay, they're starting to anyway. Okay, but even then, humans not inside of that. But like you know, this would have been something that I figured they would have tested by now, and they haven't. So I'm a little concerned about that. Why haven't they? Okay, when they should have. They would be the first customer. Okay, because mm. uh, you know, if the Humvee can drive itself, that means you can have four guys with guns ready as you know as you're going down some kind of blockade. Yeah, they've tested enough other crazy stuff. Very that, crazy. That stuff. seems like totally out of left field. That yeah. this, this is an actual proven technology that works. Yeah. So why aren't they testing that, huh? Yeah, so I'm a little concerned about that. But yeah, as far as the, as far as the positive that I uh, that I feel is, uh, I had David Irvin on my show, David Irvin of of MadeSafe, mm-hmm. okay, which is an exciting technology. Uh, I had him on my show, Sovereign Tech, and he talked about what he called DAIs, which are distributed autonomous intelligences. Yeah, and he said that cars could actually own themselves, and that they would repair themselves. Wow. Okay. I mean, all this wild stuff. He talked about it. Uh, you know, I don't know if I can, I don't want to go into like the exact because it took me a long bit of reading to really get what he was saying. But uh, metaquestions.net, you can read up about that. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Well, I think that is a challenge that is going to have to be faced when we start dealing with mis- machines that are intelligent, you know, that are artificially intelligent. And yeah, then- absolutely as we approach the point where machines become as intelligent as humans or perhaps in certain areas, you know, how uh, it brings up all kinds of ethical questions, right? Right, right. Yeah, certainly. Uh, so, like, if a car owns itself, this is really interesting. I'm just thinking about that. Sure. If a car owns itself, does it have to want to give me a ride somewhere? Uh, no, it would It would program. I don't think you're ever going to get to a point where we program computers. I just, I'm just picturing getting in a car and it's like, nah, not today. 
Yeah. Like, it's like a horse. Then you might as well be riding well, a horse. You it'll know? know when it can't safely take you, right? I mean, that like that. That's certainly part yeah. of it. Yeah. Well, actually, that's another question I have about driverless cars. How do they do in the snow? Do they work in New Hampshire? Yeah, I don't know. You know, that, that's a problem with. I mean, okay, my my overarching thing with a lot of this, the driverless cars and all that. Um, I've had a problem with cars for very for a long time. Not just Google's driverless car. I don't think computers belong in cars. And people say, well, there's better fuel efficiency, and that's that's a crock. There, you could just do pinholes in the fuel line, and you'll get the same fuel efficiency that you get out of a modern car. Make bigger carburetors. There's so many tricks you can do that don't require a computer at all. I think there's no business uh for for computers to be in cars in the first place so and then you know with all these other technologies electric cars and all this stuff look i'm glad that works well in california and down south you know in the united states but in the bulk of the you know in in a good chunk of the world there's months there's seasons where that isn't going to fly Right. You know, that's not going to work. Um, I mean, it, it's like it's always the great irony. And, and believe me, I'm into green technology. I like efficiency and all that stuff. OK, uh, but there was that uh, that 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 like camp out that they had uh, for where, where people drove a bunch of uh, the Hondas, the the. Oh, the Honda Insight, or it wasn't the Insight. Is it the hybrid one? Yeah, the, it was the first one. It was mm-hmm. the Honda. What? Not the not the Prius, but anyway, the first Honda electric. Oh, car. that yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And they all I forget got, the name of it. They too. all got stuck in the mud. They literally got stuck in the mud and a bunch of Chevy Suburbans (laughs) had to come up and save their asses. And so it's like, you know, come on. It's like, yeah, again, I'm glad that this wonderfully efficient technology works so well for you where you are. That's a PR nightmare. But there's a whole chunk of the world, you know, that you've got to serve as well. You know, another that's a great point, Brian. Another question I have about this is speed limits, okay? Everybody Mm -hmm. knows, like, speed limits are a wonderful example of how there is no rule of law. Because, A, when was the last time you ever saw a cop get a speeding ticket? And they definitely go faster than people, than a lot of people drive. And most of the time, those people are breaking the speed limit, and the cop is going faster than them. So you know the cop is going (laughs) over the speed limit. Uh, (laughs) But they never get tickets for it. And Technically, there are, in some states cops are supposed to there's like a limit where they're supposed to stop like mm-hmm. if, if the chase is going over 75 miles per hour they're supposed to stop but go ahead yeah your mm-hmm. point's still valid and and b everybody speeds all the time at least here in the u.s everybody goes five miles over yeah everybody and it's generally understood that it's okay to go five ten miles over the speed limit right. in some cases and you know nothing's going to happen to you it's really if you go beyond that but then in that case then why not make the speed limit five miles higher like why not have it what it is not not what people understand it to be in this weird little inside <laughs> joke and you know once i saw a study that said that when governments are trying to determine what to set the speed limit at they do a traffic study and they watch how fast people drive by and they set the speed limit at the 30th percentile, which means that 30% of the drivers are going slower than that number, but 70% are going faster than that number. <laughs> so if seven, if, if in a natural situation where people can determine the speed on their own, 70% are going to be naturally going faster than the posted speed limit, then you know it's just a crock. It's oh, yeah. designed to have everybody be in violation of that law all the time. <laughs> so what are driverless cars going to do about speed limits? I mean, I, as I understand it, they are designed to detect the speed limit and follow it to the letter. So right. are you going to be able to manually override that? What if you're pregnant and you're in labor and you have to get to the hospital? What if someone's having a heart attack and you've got them in your car? What if it's an ambulance? Yeah, uh, I mean, I you know, I don't know. Uh, 
I would assume they would just go to the limit. What if you're just in a hurry? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of good reasons why, you know, you might want to break a speed limit and people do all the time, even without having good reasons, so-called. Oh, sure. I mean, you could be in a chase. Yeah. You know, there could be a problem in what you're supposed to, you're supposed to tell the Google car, okay, Google, I'm being, I'm being uh, followed. Okay, Google. Okay, Google, the baby's coming yeah. now. <laughs> but I mean, what, you're going to expect the police to come? You know what the police response time is for, for dangerous situations? It's an atrocity. You oh, know, I mean, yeah, that's where the, the expression comes from. When seconds count, the cops are just minutes away. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So no, yeah, you want to have your autonomy. That, and that's kind of my thing is just, it's, it's all about autonomy. You know, your own personal autonomy. Mm, I mean, I hear you. It's just, man, the convenience of it. I would love to be able to trust something to drive me around where I didn't have to worry about getting into accidents and I didn't have to focus on my attention on driving and I could do something else. That just seems like a great increase in my standard of living. Yeah. I, I, you know, just the last thing I'll say on it is I do think there might be a big battle going on between companies like Google and Toyota against insurance companies, because I mean, if these cars can do everything they say they can, uh, car insurance is going to go the way of the Dodo. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, what if it becomes obsolete? Yeah, and I wonder if that's might be what what has held a lot of this off because some of these technologies exist without Google Maps. You know, I mean, there's there's a uh, Ford has a uh, you know cruise control that detects when a car is in front. I mean, these these things in many ways, Lexus has self parking cars. In many ways, cars have already been able to drive themselves for a good fifteen years now. Mm. But you know, all right, I know I said one last thing, but really one last thing, and this may be the most important thing is that I would be okay with the self-driving car if all the windows on it could instantly tint to opaqueness or a severe trans uh, translucency. That way, because, I mean, the only thing I'm going to want to do, if I, I like driving, and if I'm not driving, there's something else I want to be doing. And, you know, and unless <laughs> people... windows, are, oh, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah, let's turn on the lights, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. And, I mean, then, you know, then maybe I'll be all for it, because then you've t- you got a 24-hour drive, or 25-hour drive to Florida from New Hampshire. Uh, okay, well, we've got 25 hours. Let's yeah, rock and let's roll. Go. Turn up the music. we got the best sound system in the world inside here. Let's do this. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't think, you know, unless people get over the fact of, like, hey, oh, those people next to us are having sex, and they're okay with that while, while their car is driving them. Uh, yeah, you're you, going to need tinted windows or else you'll sex will be putting you in the er and then you'll be explaining to the doctor what happened even though you're embarrassed yeah so so in that case i wouldn't mind self-driving cars (laughs) there you go well you know i had one last story that kind of relates to this so we'll bring it up real quick even though we're kind of short on time um it's called researchers want to teach robots right from wrong and this goes into the idea of like you know cars owning themselves and morality, ethics, and that kind of thing. Uh, Researchers from Tufts, Brown, and Rensselaer Polytechnic are exploring the possibility of developing technology to help robots make moral decisions. Although uh, through a project funded by the Office of Naval Research, ha, as if these people are experts on morality. (laughs) Yeah, right. Regularly killing people around the world. Yeah, you got got your finger on the nuke. Okay, you're moral. Moral competence can be roughly thought of as the ability to learn, reason with, act upon, and talk about the laws and social conventions on which humans tend to agree. It's funny that they define morality as the laws, because I don't know about you, but I can think of several laws off the top of my head that are immoral. Sure. <laughs> it, it used to be illegal to be a Jew in Germany. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it right. used to be illegal to be black in the U.S. and be free. In the, yeah. You know, or talk about, you know, in the early 20th century in America. To harbor slaves, uh, you know, yeah. the Fugitive Slave Act. Yeah. I mean, so what? These robots are going to get people for prohibition? They're going to get people for, you know, having beer? Yeah. 
Yep. I mean, really, used be, so if, alcohol if, used to be illegal, right? If morality is based off of a set codified, you know, set of laws, uh, then yeah, we, we've got a big problem. Yeah, I think so too. It'd be uh, pretty awesome if they put it up against their own senators, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if only the robots applied the law equally to everybody. Right. But th- that's not what they want. They want, you know, different sets of standards for the political class and different sets for the rest of us. Of course. Uh, so, yeah, that that quote was from Matthias Schutz, a principal investigator and professor of computer science at Tufts. The question, he says, is whether machines or any other artificial system, for that matter, can emulate and exercise these abilities, the ability to learn, reason with, and act upon and talk about the laws and social conventions on which humans tend to agree. Uh, so, can machines do that? Yeah, probably. I think they could follow the law to some degree, but... They could it, blindly follow the law, sure, yeah. but to talk about them, that's another story. Yeah, absolutely, but two points. One, and I've brought this up before on this show, uh, you know, I robot. Okay, by Isaac Asimov, where mm-hmm. he set the three laws of robotics that required self-preservation for the robot, but more importantly, preservation of human life. Mm. The robots, he, he set up this really great system. It was, it was a, you know, the whole book was for Asimov, not for a flight of fancy, but for Asimov, a, a, you know, a thought experiment. Mm. Okay, and he found out how logically robots could break laws that were against, say, another law that they already had. Yep. I mean, it'd be hilarious to program uh, you know, a robot with all the laws on the books, because then, like, they're going to be grabbing people for eating fish uh, before noon in California, because, you know, some of these laws that we don't even know are ridiculous. I oh, mean, yeah. There, there's, there's tens of thousands of laws, and to think that somehow some of them don't contradict with each other, in fact, the robots, <laughs> their heads are probably going to blow right off, you <laughs> yeah. know, if that's what they're designed to uh, to do. But the other problem is, is that you're really, you're never going to be, I don't think, you're ever really going to be able to teach a robot real morality okay because i think genuine morality whatever that and that's a loaded term and that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people Mm -hmm. but i think genuine morality comes from empathy Mm. it comes from kindness it comes from what bill and ted's be excellent to each other okay and but that (laughs) (laughs) but that attitude may not entirely come from you know the human from from a thought process that attitude might come from something more. It might come from... You're not talking about like a soul or something, Not a you? soul. No, certainly not a soul. Some it, higher... Whatever it be, it'd be scientific. I'm just saying yeah. that it, it, would, it would come from some biological process that a robot would not be able to replicate. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, I'm saying, please, I'm saying a biological process, not God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, sometimes I think if, if it is a biological process, at some point, it should be able to be understood and translated into... A machine. But the instant you put it in transistors, it becomes predictable. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Yeah. That means con- predictability equals control. control. Wow. This has been a very fascinating show. And by the way, we've been experimenting with a with drugs, sex, and rock and roll. No, I'm just kidding. We've been experimenting. <laughs> no drugs here. No drugs. It's okay if you do. <laughs> maybe some sex. Uh, Lots of Maybe it. some rock and roll. Tons of it. Oh, um, yes. We've been experimenting Ozzy, Ozzy. with a longer show. So, you know, if you want to give us feedback about the length of our show, you're welcome to do that show at Sex and Science Hour. We're on podcast only now, so we can do whatever we want. They love it when it's extended. See you next week. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week.